Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters. And we all deserve it. So, as you can hear in the background, we are broadcasting on location. We are at Hito 2 in Jamaica on the Grill Beach. We are here with Young Swingers Week, and we have a great show for you today. So, do you ever wonder why some people want more more sex and others want less? Or why some people choose to move outside the traditional monogamous relationship and explore alternative lifestyles like swinging, polyamory, or kink? On today's show, we're going to find out more about the psychology behind sexual desires and kinky play as we discuss all the different ways that kink and BDSM add spice to a healthy, sexy lifestyle. But before we get into the show, we want to talk just a moment about one of our favorite products, which is our Throws of Passion waterproof blanket because no one wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not and then I have to sleep in it. If you're fed up sleeping in the wet spot or having to change the sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our Throws of Passion waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leakproof, and it guarantees to keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets, even if you're a huge squirter like my beautiful wife Carol is. Just throw it down and get it on, and Throws of Passion will protect any play space from messy massage oils, silicone loop, or any sexy wetness. It takes away the worry so you can have a lot more fun. And the best thing is the easy cleanup. When you're done, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. Now available in two sizes, jumbo and midsize or travel size. Order yours from Amazon today. Search the Throws of Passion. Great sex starts now. All right, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and we are so excited to introduce today's guests. Charlie and Ariane, psychotherapists specializing in trauma and experts in the kink and alternative lifestyles, are here with us today um, to help us explain the psychology behind sex and specifically why people choose the kink and BDSM lifestyle. Welcome, Ariane and Charlie, to the Sexy Lifestyle. We're glad to be back. Yes, we are. Thank you so much for having yes, us. Yes, it's yes. been a while that it we have actually had you on the show, but we've seen you several times since then. All we, the time. I we, think last time we were going to all sit down, and we all ended up being so busy. All ended up being so busy that it was kind of nuts. Kind of hard to connect. But we around. love connecting with you guys. <laughs> we've been with you guys probably three or four times in the last year. Mm-hmm. We met you guys on the SDC cruise, mm-hmm. which was two years ago, and boy, how things have changed. My goodness. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you guys put us on the air a year and a half ago, uh-huh. and we were about as unprepared as we could possibly get, because we never had microphones in front of our faces yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> even on college campuses, they don't really, we don't have a lot of mics that we're talking into, and we're thinking, what are we going to do? But you guys were you guys were great holding our hand as we got started. And before we get into the psychology of sex and kink and BDSM, you guys are absolutely insane. How many videos have you made in the last year? Right now, we have about 1,100. 
Wow. Yes. Right now we have about 1,100. Do you sleep? Do you eat? <laughs> <laughs> I sleep with her. <laughs> we don't sleep very much because we're usually having sex. Yes. I'm glad you call it the psychologist sex because it should be just what we do. So, no. <laughs> Well, certainly you have lots of videos and lots of information on your website, and we're going to shout out to thesexbecause.com, and that's where people can go for lots of information. Mm -hmm. So let's get started with our discussion, because we always want to know why people have sex. What's in their heads that makes them want to have sex? Oh, man. That's a big question. There are different components. There's lots of studies that have been done on this, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I mean, everything from biological, procreation, uh, connection, yeah. Is sex primal? I would have to say, if you're saying in a way that's instinctual, yeah, I would have uh-huh. to say it's primal. I mean, right. when even if you think about young boys, when they first start having sex, it's a lot of body-centered sex that happens with young men. Okay, meaning it's that you usually think of sex as body-centered or person-centered. And body-centered is really where we're, we're having sex right now because I want to feel a certain, I want to feel, I want to feel a physical need oh, okay. more than I want to mm-hmm. feel a connection need. Right. Now, as you get older, of course, there are different hormones that are being produce, produced. You're a little bit more mature. This is what you start looking for a particular person, ideally, to kind of create a family. Uh, it squashes a lot of insecurities and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's how the evolution, the psychology of sex actually evolves over time uh, as, you, as you build relationships. So. so if it's natural, it's instinctive, mm-hmm. and that's something that we all want to have, mm-hmm. why is it that some people don't want to have sex? That's, huh. a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, firstly, like, like Charlie just mentioned, biological, right? We have different levels of different hormones in our bodies at mm-hmm. different times in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also things come into play such as trauma, sexual trauma. Yeah, your environments. Your environment. Yeah. Stress. Yep. Yeah, people sometimes, all of us are wired differently, so differently, and I'm glad Arian said that, because the understanding, <clears throat> what's too much sex and what's too little sex is really going to depend on your relationship structure or your partner. Uh, you may meet a partner that likes to have sex twice a month, because they're, like we said, they have biological or environmental factors that led to that, or that's their interest level, and you may want to have it six times a month, and you feel like you're hyposexual. Oh, right. So it's very difficult. It's very difficult to describe what hyper and hypo is without outside of the constructs of a particular relationship. Uh Would I be correct in saying that the number isn't what counts? It's what's good for the people in the couple. And as long as they're both good with it, that's what the right amount is. What do you think of that? Yes, definitely. That's with anything within a couple. Yeah, right? I have to disagree with her. I, I would know. I would say if both people are, if both people are, how many people in the relationship, as you know, there can be more than two, uh, are satisfied in the relationship and in their sex lives with each other, then there's not an issue. Yeah, if we're having it under 30 times a month, I'm not satisfied. So I would disagree with what you <laughs> I, just said. But I understand clinically what you're saying. That would not saying. work. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I would agree. But you know, in relationships, you have to have that, and we'll, we'll get into trauma in, in just a minute, yeah. but you have to have that bond, that understanding. So for example, I'm like you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. 30 times a month <laughs> times two would be perfect yes. for me. But, you know, Carol has lately gone through menopause, mm-hmm. her libido's mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. and just the fact that I want to do it so, many, so often isn't good for our couple if yes. she doesn't. Exactly. So we found a happy medium where I understand her wants and her needs, and she's doing a great job of trying to meet me somewhere, not necessarily in between, but somewhere. Yes. And um, our relationship in the last six months or so has gotten much better because I realized I'm not going to get it twice a day. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, 
our relationship isn't going to survive if he doesn't get it at all. Mm-hmm. And we've really worked hard and, and we're swingers, yeah. right? We've been in the mm-hmm. lifestyle 15 years and you have those ebbs and flows and mm-hmm. ups and downs in your relationship that you have to work through. And it's never too late to start again. So, you know, sometimes we sit back and say, hey, you know, how can we rearrange our sexual needs and desires that's good for our couple? What you just said, that's where it becomes person-centered. Mm. That's exactly what we're talking about to start off. And that's where you can tell the maturity of the relationship and the maturity of the person. A lot of the psychogenic patients that we work with out of the Houston area in the medical center, uh, they're dealing with cancer treatment and different things. It changes the landscape of their relationship. Okay, you've just gone through a major surgery. You're, you're not going to feel that great about your body. Maybe your body's not producing the same kind of hormones yeah. it was before. Even uh, we've seen, uh, like you were talking about menopausal symptoms, mm-hmm. after you get through menopause, sometimes your sex life can increase mm-hmm. your desire can because you don't have the fear of having children anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have the fear of proving yourself anymore to anything. You can make your own sexual decisions. Right. So it's necessarily it's not necessarily hyper or hypo. It's mature, right? Uh, at that point. Yeah. And you guys take each other into consideration and you communicate openly and honestly and you're by doing that you're willing to negotiate something that works for you both. So it becomes more about intimacy mm-hmm. than sex. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. That's much more satisfying. Yes. That's yes. much yes. more satisfying. And it's not about putting it in a box and saying, well, that's the way it's going to be forever. So I'll go into the closet or the shower and masturbate twice a day mm-hmm. and she could live her life. That's not what a relationship's no. about. It's not about communicating and finding how your couple can be stronger together. Yes, indeed. Yes, and indeed. And I think we're definitely working. And it's evolving. It's not something that we found a solution today that's going to be that forever. Mm-hmm. It evolves. Like you said, it changes. And we're, we're working on it. We're working but with it's, it. It's fluid. Like any relationship, things change from week to week to month to month. And um, as long as the couple keeps getting stronger, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right about that. Now, you just mentioned a certain trauma like an operation or something physical like that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what people think of when they hear the word trauma. But there's lots of other types of trauma that can Mm -hmm. influence the sex drive. Give us some examples of what kind of trauma could maybe block somebody from having sex. This is is what you guys do, right? You guys are doctors, Mm -hmm. you're psychologists, you specialize in trauma. That's the majority of your clients that come in. Let's, let's really get into some of the things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis and how trauma, even at the earliest of ages, affects you later on in life. The one thing we have a basis, and I'm a Ladarian to run with this one, but we spend a lot of time teaching uh, attachment theory, just mm-hmm. uh, teaching people attachment principles. We often say that most things go back, or all things is what we actually say, to back to family of origin. How you deal with stress, how you deal with trauma, that doesn't mean that things just because you had a good childhood doesn't mean that something that happens to you early and earlier in life as an early 20 or 21-year-old won't affect you. What we're saying is that there's a lot of components to how you were raised and what type of childhood you, you endured or survived or enjoyed that have an impact on what kind of, not just what kind of relationships you choose, but what kind of sex you're going to have. And And by saying that, it doesn't have to be one huge traumatic event. And I think that's what people typically think of. They think of something like 9-11. They think uh, like a a tornado, a hurricane, some significant event, which does cause psychological trauma, but it can also be the micro traumas that occur in our lifetime that build up. The loss of a friend. Yes. Yes. Parent uh, abuse from a parent, things like that. Not, not, and I don't want to say minimize it, but not significant abuse. But maybe it wasn't frequent. But these are things that have maybe, wrecked your foundation over time. Maybe there was a parent who dealt with significant depression. Uh, that parent is not going to be able to attach to that child, and that child's going to have attachment yes. issues. Issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We yes. had a, we had a guest on our show who was abused as a child, mm-hmm. and the parent 
always grabbed her by the hand. Yes. Mm -hmm. And pulled her and grabbed her and pulled her. And she said when she got into this present relationship that when her boyfriend would go grab just, her by just, the hand just touch her hand she even. would pull away yeah yes because that mm -hmm. trauma was still there now they've gotten over it because they ended up talking about it and figuring out where that root cause was but just stuff like that just carries with you forever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one, one of the things that we have learned by talking to a lot of experts over the months and years that we have like this is that just because something happened to you in the past it does not have to dictate your future. You can actually rewrite your story. You might have had a great upbringing or, or a tragic upbringing, but it doesn't have to affect you forever. So how do people actually get over traumas? Hmm. We'd love to say that you do. Uh, usually if you're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, there's no 100% there's no cure. Once you're, It's a neurological scarring. Okay. And what you do is you learn to adjust, like any scar that you would have or any injury that you have. You learn to adjust with the limitations that you put forward and try to, it's almost like you give yourself your own physical therapy saying, hey, this is kind of the way that I have to behave. This is kind of the way that I have to let people around me know what I'm dealing with. And in turn, you can start to heal because the very thing that hurts you typically when it comes to trauma is another person. That's the very thing that'll heal you too mm -hmm. is are good healthy versions of relationships okay. that are healing good. so yeah I mean and, and redefining you know the traumatic event is say if it was abuse like that right like this is that we say this is something that happened to me this is not something I am exactly. mm -hmm. and separating that from who you are is important and acknowledging that so that you can do that and then create the real person you're supposed to be if that traumatic event did not occur. Right, so the, the show we did, um, mm -hmm. our guest spoke about writing a new story, mm -hmm. writing yeah. that, that new chapter in your life because you can't change the past, right? right. So what's my story gonna be going forward and what are the conscious decisions I'm gonna make to be happy, to have a great life, to select the right people, the right partners? Yes, yes. And all of that comes with health because we typically gravitate towards people on our same emotional plane, which means our friendship groups should change. And, and going back to you two's relationship, one of the reasons that it works is because you talked about the fluidity. Mm -hmm. The same thing needs to happen with someone that's been through trauma. You have to realize that as you grow, the people around you are going to change because they're not going to grow at the same level you are. A healthy relationship allows the individual across from you to have their own identity and build and grow in the way that they need to and heal in the way that they need to without fear, without insecurity that they may out outgrow you right or the lose you or lose you a lot of the times when we're dealing with people that are dealing with trauma is that they're in a family system where you have to understand a family system sees you the way it wants to see you so my mom and dad still see me as a guy that likes to eat cocoa pebbles at 14 years right. old and when i come home guess what my mom has she has, <laughs> cocoa cocoa pebbles. Pebbles. <laughs> she has. and i didn't drink milk for a long time and my mom still gave me milk uh, no matter how many times i told her uh, that because that was her view of me uh, and she needed to keep me there yeah. so a lot of the times when people are dealing with trauma they're dealing with people around them they're trying to do the same thing okay. they're not allowed to grow and what would you say would be the number one issue that your clients come to you for help with it's it's interesting because typically the issues they come for us to be to help with them uh, to help them with is not what's actually going on. So they'll come to us and say, "I I don't know. We have mismatched libidos." Well, we get into the reasons why and what's going on and what happened to them prior and what happened in the relationship as far as maybe some mistrust or betrayal or something like that. And it's much deeper than the original issue that was given to us. Do you think some of the issues with mismatched libidos has to do where one person is just not a good fuck and the other person can't communicate and tell them, you're not a good fuck, I like it better this way? Yes. 
and we'll leave it right there. <laughs> if something's not enjoyable. If only they could talk to each other. <laughs> they live together. They sleep together, but they can't talk to each other. You mean you want other. them to talk about sex? Yeah. <laughs> well, we talk if a lot only. about. I know. <laughs> we talk a lot about how uh, over time in relationships, uh, what people do is. They're, they stop being honest with each other because they're working really hard to not cause conflict or right. not hurt the other person's feeling, which in turn is counterproductive because it it makes both people unhappy. And certainly after 10 years of being together with this bad fuck, how do you bring that up to your partner that you haven't, uh, you've been faking orgasms for 10 years? Like, how do you do that? It's hard. That's uncomfortable. Why the hell would you fuck an orgasm? Fuck an orgasm? Well, fake an orgasm. orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> fucking and faking. I'm saying you're so fucked up if you're faking an orgasm. But you're right. I mean, that's one of the reasons people contact us is because they want to contact a, a mediator. They want us to be a mediator. Right. We recently had a couple that she hadn't had an orgasm in They've been together 22 years. She hadn't had an orgasm in 20 years. <gasps> and he, she just didn't know how to tell him. She didn't know how him. to communicate. Yeah, I and get that's it. And, you know, I get that was it. a pretty difficult yeah. uh, conversation for them. It was easy for us because we like them to be honest and real. And she didn't even self-pleasure. She didn't masturbate. She just she didn't at all. lived no. with it. And that's it, that was part of her upbringing as mm-hmm. well. I mean, it was something that was shameful. And, it was, and, and in turn, she never took control of her own sex and her, her own mm-hmm. needs. Her own as body. As, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I felt a great deal of shame when it came to that. Even the conversation itself brought some. Now, so. do you have people come to you that have sex all the time that are maybe addicted to it or can't stop masturbating or something like that? We do run into that. We do. We, we, porn addiction. Yeah. Oh, porn that's addiction. That's the most common. Okay. Oh, man. Porn, you'd think we were, you know, we some of our fr- best friends are in the adult industry. But uh, what happens is when, you, when you become addicted to something like porn is that the brain doesn't have to work as hard to get pleasure. So basically what it is is like if I want to touch my wife here and I'm touching her right here on her on her left shoulder here and I want to rub her down here, well, maybe that'll lead to sex. Maybe I can rub her hair and we're going to have a good time later. Porn is, I slide the, I slide the well, I won't say the VHS. Yeah. <laughs> you just aged yourself. Uh, I did. But I, I turn it on and I watch it, I masturbate in the chair, and I'm done. And that's four minutes. Right. It's not a relationship. There's not a work. If you don't have to do it, you don't have to hope that maybe you're going to get it and do the work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It becomes like any other addiction. Yes. There's no other variable in the room you have to consider. Not at all. I so, And so people who do get addicted to that kind of stimulus can't stop because it just feels good. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to their relationship? Typically, with porn addiction, they withdraw a lot from their partner. And sometimes they have relationships that are set up to deal with that, and they're not much of a relationships, but they they do deal with it together, where one partner is dissociates into the relationship and says, this is all I can get, and the other one jacks off every night at midnight, and uh, that's what they do. How okay. cool would it be if that couple, where he or she really needs to watch porn, spoke about it and watched it together? Because porn is great entertainment, right? Yeah. It's, it should never be used for education. It's great entertainment. It's great to open up dialogue about, hey, could we, should we, would we? Um, you know, normal, average people can't do some of the acrobatics that are done on porn. No. Mm-hmm. But you can try. You, you can. can have fun. You can, can inspire laugh. you. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, instead of sitting there saying, I got to watch my porn, I got to watch my porn, talk to your partner and say, how about if we watch a little bit together? Yes. Carol and I um, had this discussion the other day. She's okay watching porn. She doesn't want to hear it. She's, you know. I just don't like fake orgasms. I hate the fake <laughs> sound. I don't. I, 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 I was like, let's just turn. Uh, t- I just want to see. I don't need to hear it. Exactly. So that's what we did. We turned off the volume. <laughs> yeah. We had it on, and we had great sex. 
And if it was real sounding, it would be fine because we know what real yes. good sex sounds yes. like, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you go into the playroom and, you, and, you, and there's a friggin' foursomes, moresomes, yes. orgies going on. Yeah, you exactly. hear real orgasms, real sex, real That's coming. Right on. Yeah. And so, yeah, you watch TV and you say, you know, it's not real. So we just turn it down and we're just there for the visual stimulus. There you go. There right? you go. Yeah, and it porn, always helps. Porn alone is not negative. It's not. It's not bad for no. you. No, not it, at all. It, things only become hurtful when they cause significant impairment mm -hmm. and they decrease your level of functioning. They affect yeah. your relationships. Or if you think it's real and then you try to mimic it. As long as people understand that, it's especially oh, yeah. young people growing up, they think that's what sex is that's and they then they start is. to mimic. And, you know, so that's where it is harmful. I for mean, sure. for that, guy, that kind of paycheck sometimes those guys are doing, you're talking about the acrobatics, you might pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But that's really, it's acting. Yeah, yeah. it is. All right. Sure. So we are going to stop for a short pause. But let's remind everyone that we are here at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica with Young Swingers Week. We're chatting with the absolutely incredibly intelligent and psychotherapists Charlie and Ariane from Sex Because and when we come back we're going to talk about all the different alternative lifestyles that are out there including the kink in BDSM world so stay tuned we'll be right back all right, and let's invite everyone to join us as we broadcast live from the world's most iconic adult playground, Hedonism 2, in Negril Beach, Jamaica, where we are right now. But we'll be back here August 18th to 25th for the inaugural Hedo event, Miss Nude Showgirls and Pole Dance Stars. There's going to be lots of sexy, fun costume parties all week long, hosted by international Miss Nude semifinalists who will then compete for the grand title by performing in the exotic New Talent Show August 24th. Come root for your favorite girl and bring your own exotic costumes and join the party. That's Hedonism 2 Resorts in Jamaica. Head to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for more information about this event and many others. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're having a great discussion with Charlie and Ariane from Sex Because. We're here at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica with Young Swingers Week. And we're going to get into some of our favorite topics now, which is the alternative lifestyle. So one of the things that I, I know that so many people don't understand is how can a relationship move away from that traditional monogamous status mm -hmm. and move into those alternative states like polyamory, swinging, kink and BDSM. What is the psychology behind needing to change or getting away from that monogamous relationship? I think you just hit it right on the nose when you said traditional. It's not. It's not. I agree. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not traditional. Uh, every relationship should have its own identity when it comes to sexuality we're a firm believer in. But we also know that we, especially in the States, for instance, uh, we have a puritanical society that was established in the late 1500s that this is what sex and marriage were going to look like. Uh -huh. Now, when you're dealing with something as powerful as religion, um, you're gonna, there's a, just a lot of shame that's associated with sex. Uh, we always say the church found out a long time ago it could make you feel guilty for things you couldn't change. Okay, And they, what they did is they put religious mandates on this is what this should look like for everyone and if all of us here at the, sitting at the table know that none of us are the same mm. and that's the pressure that i feel like people feel when it comes to sexuality is that that needs to look like the identical puzzle piece that their parents had even if they weren't happy if they even if they saw parents that weren't happy happy sexually yes so okay. that non so now we've decided that it's not a traditional way well tradition mm. can come from the way you were brought up or whatever mm -hmm. yes but what is the psychological need not to be in a monogamous relationship whether it's required or not required yeah. why do people but, want to seek more but first you know we're in a monogamous uh, we are in an emotionally monogamous relationship yes. but sexually 
we share, we add, we bring people in, we bring toys in, we love bringing Sibian in. Um, she is an amazing enhancement <laughs> to our life. Um, in our bedroom. In our bedroom. And, you know, what is wrong with bringing another person into no, a No, I'm not saying what's wrong with it. My question is, what, how psychologically, what, what, are, what needs are being met by doing that? By, uh, by being monogamous or no. by bringing someone else in? Being non-monogamous. Non-monogamous. That's a really difficult question just because, mm -hmm. like, uh, we're, we all have different needs and we all have different preferences. The key is being honest about them. Yeah, that's a difficult piece. It's... Oh, yeah, that's a difficult piece. <laughs> it really is. The honesty piece is when you've been, what do we talk about? Shame versus guilt. And we feel, women feel a great deal of guilt for enjoying orgasms. Uh, since you're saying traditionally, over time, we felt a great deal of uh, guilt having, uh, having pleasure. Having pleasure in sex or sex. So saying that you would like to be with two men at one time uh, is something, it's almost been a, it's been a no-no for centuries. I mean, as long and as... And does something go wrong and something goes in your head, uh, like you know, psychologically? Is it, do you feel like you're broken because you want something different that other people, you know, don't, that are shaming you for? Mm -hmm. Do you feel weird about it? To some people? I, I, I would say most people initially feel like something's wrong with them, like something's not right. You know, there's a lot of fear coming out about your own sexual fantasies and your needs and your desires, your t the type of relationship you want. And it goes have. back to that attachment. But and isn't it, that yes. only yeah. because that's what society says you should be doing or the church says you should be doing? If you go back to the yes. Roman era, open sexuality was how they lived. This uh, monogamous, married to one person for the rest of your life is only a couple of thousand years old. Yeah, uh, one thing that people remember is people quote Leviticus a lot uh, when we talk to them. They mm -hmm. say Leviticus says this about homosexuality. It says this. We also say it says this about bacon. It says this about dead bodies. <laughs> it says it. One thing to remember is when the Israelites, and if you're going to go back and it's a history lesson that we teach about sex, if you're going to go back in time and talk about the Israelites being uh, uh, released from captivity, what it was written for was to make sure and ensure that this group of people would procreate. And cleanliness was the main thing that they were concerned about during that period of time. They had been slaves for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. So there was this rule book that was come out saying, hey, look, we need to grow our tribe. We need to, we need to become a solid group of people. And you guys being together isn't necessarily procreating and creating the way that we need to. We need to be an army again. Mm -hmm. And people often reference, the, reference this as, as a, a sort of shame for the way that they feel about uh, uh, consensual non-monogamy. They say, this says this in the Bible, I shouldn't be this way. But they often forget that Solomon had 300 <laughs> wives and 600 concubines, yeah. and he was called the wisest man in the world. <laughs> so, uh, of his time at least. So. And remember, there was also a time where women were believed to be possessed if they had orgasms. Right, right. Yeah. For sure. And attachment, attachment. That they were a witch. Yes. Something witch. was wrong. Possessed. Yes. Mm -hmm. But in, in life, we all want some excitement. We all want some adventure. That's what gets the hormones and the adrenaline yeah. going. You know, I know in, in our swinging lifestyle, that's what keeps uh, the spice going in our life. And I have to assume that the majority of people in this world aren't boring. Mm -hmm. and that they want the excitement and that's what drives them into all different types of alternative lifestyles because it's a little bit different it's a little bit naughty society says you really shouldn't be doing that mm -hmm. and doesn't the brain get the i don't know oh what yeah. the chemicals are the in there the endorphins going and that's what gets the tingliness going in your well, body it does. it does we often talk about the first year of first year of your relationship you don't really know what you have first six to six months to a year you're enthralled uh, your endorphins are firing off and boy that person says something to you and you think oh my god this is amazing They're, everything they say is amazing right around year two 
everything they say isn't amazing anymore. <laughs> it's stupid. Because you're going <laughs> yes. Well, you're going from the lust phase to the attachment phase, and different car- different chemicals are being produced by the brain. The doubt wants you to attach and stay together, but it also may be a little bit more honest in what it's analyzing. Uh-huh. Serotonin s- will do that to you. Some people do this in, in unhealthy ways uh, in relationships. They'll they'll purposefully create conflict and crisis so they can get the same feelings. Because fear and arousal fire the same areas in your brain. It's very similar. That's why kink is so popular. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but it is is something that you start missing. Your body, especially if you've been through trauma, the one thing to remember is that if somebody's been through neurological trauma, their brain still craves that feeling. They still crave those hormones. So when you go through uh, emotional trauma, what your brain starts to do is it develops a condition called alexthymia, which is an emotional numbing. So basically your highs and lows are supposed to be far apart. But when you go through trauma, they're not so far apart anymore, mm-hmm. you know. But your body, instead of instead of creating that those endorphins that create that good feeling, you start feeling anxiety when mm-hmm. you start when you're in situations that should feel good. Okay. So these highs can actually do a lot to calm you. That's why they're doing MDA, MDMA studies right yeah. now with trauma victims, uh, because they're noticing that this burst of serotonin allows you to remember situations accurately mm-hmm. instead of what your brain's trying to tell you. Afterwards. And experience them in a calm state, a calm so state. you can redefine them. But look how look how cool it was yesterday in the nude pool the nude pool was packed yesterday there was a party going on we were sitting there talking you were touching me and we were you know getting a little naughty and then another gorgeous woman comes up to me and says you know can i play with your cock and she starts playing with my cock and the fact that we're sitting there in front in the middle of a hundred people a show going on 11 was doing his show and my cock just like got rock hard in 40 seconds (laughs) we're sitting there for with a hundred people there's nobody, no guys are walking around with erections, but this woman comes up to me, pays attention to me, and the naughtiness about doing it almost in public was very much Definitely of a turn in on. public, baby. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> in public. But then Carol got turned yeah. on, and she's, okay, let's go to the hot tub. I want to give you a blowjob. Yeah. And now we're sitting on the side of the hot tub, and she's sucking my cock. And it's another, we went back to the room, and I said, you know, that was so cool sitting there, and we've done it before. Yeah. But just sitting there in daylight having a, uh, your wife give you a blowjob was a super big turn on. And then we had great sex together. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing that happens here at Hedonism, right? That's what gives it that spark and gets those endorphins yes, going. And I guess what happens after that second year that you talked about where everything seems stupid, you need to stimulate those things so that yes, they don't do. seem so stupid after all. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes couples, what they've dealt with is so much, uh, there can be so much pain early on in the relationship when it comes to lack of communication. They don't know how to do that after year two right, all the time. Right. So they do find that at Hedonism. We do encourage by teaching classes and mm-hmm. things like that. This is how you can add fire to your relationship mm-hmm. at your own pace, at mm-hmm. your own level. Mm-hmm. There's As no you wrong need way it. to do it. As you need yeah. it. All right. So I just want to get into then the next topic, which is about polyamory. Does that kind of relationship give you the stimulus that you're looking for? What is the psychology between having more than one lover? Or, hmm. or I guess, I a relationship with, with more than one person? Polyamory is more about attachment. Less less about sex yes uh it's definitely more about attachment and relationships that's the big difference between poly and swinging yes there is right swinging is about sex it's a love relationship relationship. and so when you talked about that body sex Mm -hmm. thing it's not a it's not body then it's person it can be person-centered uh but there may be someone there that uh is is hierarchical 
Uh, there may be someone, uh, depending on the construct of the couple, how large the couple is, there may be someone there that a uh, part of the couple that has sex and the other part doesn't. Oh, okay. You know, so there's there's all kinds of different. They're able to they're able to build whatever relationship they like to build. It just involves various people, uh-huh. and we feel like that's all about desire. We've seen some relationships where it work, and we've seen some some uh, polyamorous couples where someone's left and they've gone into a, a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the time, that particular system worked for them. Mm. You know, and that's it. And so, like you said, the difference between that and swinging is that swinging is really more the physical thing. It's yes. about the sex. It can be. And yes. the, emo- the emotional monogamy that we have, but we like to have sex with other people because it gives us a different thrill, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Yes. What's yes. going on mm-hmm. in our brain. Absolutely. All right. So, we're going to remind everyone, this is The Sex Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And now we are going to get into Charlie and Ariane's specialty. We're going to start talking a little bit about kink and BDSM and this mm-hmm. amazing event that's going to be happening here at Hedonism in October. 2020 what exactly does the b the d the s and the m stand for mm-hmm. bondage discipline dominant submission sadomasochism mm-hmm. okay yeah and, and each one, and, and and each one all of those then can you explain <laughs> each one of those please? do they all go together or could they be separate uh it's they they don't all have to go together you can practice power exchange using different practices such mm-hmm. as sadomasochism or bondage or verbal bondage yes it doesn't have to be physical restraints yes exactly. so let's just be clear bondage means you tie them up now does that mean you have to tie up just your hands it means just your arms like explain more what is bondage there's verbal bondage too there's implied bondage there's a lot of different ways to bound, uh, bound someone uh, without having um, physical restraints so if I say to David put your hands above your head and don't move yes I've just given him bondage yes exactly. yeah, we do bondage baby <laughs> what about shut up I don't want you to talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's bondage too I guess <laughs> one thing to remember is it's based on a power exchange agreement yes it's oh. based on an agreement between two parties that this is what we're going to do and especially in the healthy ways this is, this is, this is what we're talking about now uh, uh, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this in return, and that's why contracts are so uh, popular when it comes to BDSM, whether they're verbal or written, uh, because everyone involved has to have an understanding that there's no coercion or abuse. Uh, we're not making matters worse for this individual. We're both here to enjoy ourselves. But and whatever our limits are, limits are. And that's already understood, or no, you still have to clarify that? Oh, you do. Oh, no, you definitely have to clarify okay. that, yes. But it, doesn't, that, doesn't that come from way up here where everything has to start with consent? Whatever yes. you do, whether it be in a swinging relationship, kink, BDSM, and a married couple. Mm-hmm. You, you but I think the clarity is that you've got to consent to what? Right? Right. You have to have you, that, you have, that you have agreement. Clearly, this is yes. what we're consenting right? to. Like, yes. That's what you're saying, That's right? what you're saying. We like, have yeah. to consent, yeah. Yes. Like, I'm never going to get on top of you, shove my cock in your pussy, and fuck you without you saying... Okay, let's have sex. No, I get it. Right? Right. But mm-hmm. if I've I tried. Say, let's have sex. I've tried. You were sleeping. You <laughs> swatted me. And then we're back into this There's kink BDSM thing. But no. if I said, let's have sex, that's one thing. But now we're not talking about sex. Now we're talking about, hey, let's have sex with my hands tied together. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Let's have sex in the bathroom bent over the, the bathtub. Right. right. Then, say, then you say, yes, let's do it. That's, that's communication. And communication and consent go like hand in hand. Right. And that's something we've always tried to do with each other. And we feel like it's added to our closeness because we're able to communicate a, a, a higher level than a lot of our people that were in, uh, people that are friends of ours and have a I, I gain an understanding of each other that I don't feel a lot of couples have because we communicate so many details Erin and I first talked the first time I remember she told me she was into a particular type of porn yes and yes. Uh, funny you just said a little bit ago I guess I wasn't that proud of it if it's funny we just had a discussion about that because the type of porn that I would watch uh, growing up was Bang bus porn. I don't know if you guys are familiar with bang bus. Uh, I am now. Explain. Okay, it's where these group of guys in a bus they pick up this girl in the street and they all 
fucker. Okay. They all have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, like a gangbang. Like mm-hmm. very much like a gangbang. And it's funny because we had this conversation and he said, he, Daddy asked me, he said, what did you ask me? I asked you, how did you feel about that? Or did you feel any shame over that? That's what he said. Did you feel any shame about it? I was like, no, I did not. But then I realized I didn't tell anyone about that. The first person I ever told about that is, is my husband here is Charlie. Yeah. He's my daddy. And we and talked about it. How long ago? Yeah. So you held it in for how many years? Over 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you must have felt some shame. Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's what okay. I'm saying. Yes. No yeah. one knew. That yeah. was the type of porn that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Now I understand the reason I enjoyed that porn is because of the power exchange dynamic of losing that control of being taken. And we've incorporated that power exchange in our relationship and our, our, our sexual relationship but as well. Ariane, in that situation, aren't you really in control? Even though there's a whole bunch of guys, aren't you in control? Well, right, yes, I can end it at any time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a, that's a great thing about when I spoke with her, because one thing, if anybody's ever met Arian, she has a perimeter around her often. Her brain's always going. This is she's who she is. Well, I, we know I who has the brains in your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's Eat definitely her. <laughs> and the looks. <laughs> no, stop now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, she does have them. But it, it would give her an opportunity to, since she has a research brain, it would give her an opportunity to lose control in a way that maybe uh, she didn't think she could. It was almost forced on her. It gave her permission, and she used to tell me, this would give me permission to be something that I've been shown I shouldn't have been. Mm. Based on my childhood, uh, troubled childhood, this is what I feel like I would have permission to act out on. And that's what power exchange in a really controlled in a environment, controlled environment with someone who's safe with in a safe trusted yes. controlled environment yes and be mindful of what's happening to me at this very moment and feel completely connected mind and body yes wow interesting all right we're going to take a quick break this is a sexy lifestyle we are carol and david we're talking with the amazing charlie and arianne from sex because we are live here at hedonism 2 in jamaica with young swingers week and um, after this quick break, we're going to continue our discussion about King BDSM and this amazing event that's going to be happening in October, October 2020. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This segment of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by the STC Croatian Cruise. Get ready to experience STC's famous foam parties, deck parties, and erotic live shows, or simply savor all the sexy couples, including us, that STC has to offer. Departing from Venice, Italy, August 29th, 2020, for seven sensual nights and eight glorious days of visiting some of the most historic cities in Europe, throughout Croatia and in Eastern Mediterranean. Come party with us on a ship full of open-minded, sexy couples and find yourself swept up into a dream world of such incredible beauty and sensuality. It will take your breath away. For more information about this trip or any other events, visit thesexylifestyle.com travel and events page. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're having a great discussion with Charlie and Ariane from Sex Because, who are just sitting here and kissing. We love love, (laughs) love couples in love. We're here at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica with Young Swingers Week. We've been having a great discussion about the psychology of sex. We spoke about alternative lifestyles. And now we've just recently gotten into talking about kink and BDSM. So we talked about bondage first, and you were explaining a little bit about how it could be verbal and how it could Mm -hmm. be physical. Now, let's explain the D, which is the dominant and submissive. Can you get a little bit further and and talk about that, which is the real power exchange, right? That That is the power exchange, and those are the roles that people choose, the top and the bottom role. Yeah. And we've chosen with each other that we had a, uh, and a top role where I would be the top and she would be the bottom. Um, 
but believe me, like what you just said, David, is uh, she does have most of the control. But explain again, which is the top? Is that the dominant? Yeah, yes. the top okay. would be the dominant. All right. Yeah, and and the bottom would be submissive. It's not specific to sex, gender, sexual orientation. It's not specific to any of that. Anyone can be a top and anyone can be a bottom. And do you guys switch at all? We do have roles that look like they switch. I mean, they do. They're still within the, the top and bottom role, but it will appear at times. I'll have Arian telling me something. We've had some uh, cuckolding situations where mm-hmm. I've said, hey, do this, do that. But being the great submissive she is, if I don't put it on the list, she's not uh, going to do it. Okay. And that's yeah. really how. But she does get a great thrill out of, being, of, of having that and, I guess, that power. Which now, you always have. Do you guys live this lifestyle, this power exchange lifestyle, all day long, or is it only when you're having sex? Mm. I feel as though it's it's all the time. the The degree yeah. can vary depending on what's going on in our lives. Yeah. So, so Charlie, do you, do you tell him to clean the house? <laughs> oh, I clean the house. Yeah. We clean it together. But does she tell you to do it? <laughs> she didn't tell me. She didn't have to. Does okay. she tell you go get take out the garbage, Charlie? Yeah, oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I do get that. Uh-huh. So there is a bit of a switch here. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it wasn't on the list, so you know, garbage well, is not on the list. Well, the funny thing about it is when it comes to the top and bottom role, and I think that's a that's a common misconception. Though it's a, it, we're joking about it, but I think we we want to put that out there. I make her. I run her bath every morning. I make her coffee every yes. morning. I pick out her clothes every day. If she needs them ironed, I will do them. Okay. Part of this agreement is right. that I take care of her, and she takes care of me. And it, it, we've got it written out the way we were, we negotiated this thing like any other contract. So it is throughout the day that you're actually taking the role. You keep that role as a top throughout the day, mm-hmm. and you do what you're expected to do. Yes. And as a submissive, you allow him to do that for you. You would never run your own bath. Would that, uh, unless would that be unless he tells me to. Oh, okay. Yes, there are times where I've tried. He said, "What are you doing?" Okay. Two times over two years. Okay. <laughs> yes. I remember the dates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I want to also get into the fact, and there's you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie, didn't necessarily represent the kink world, the BDSM world properly, but it did enough to get people asking questions the sale of sex toys skyrocketed mm-hmm. after this movie um, the last movie the scene with the Benoit balls Carol and I were sitting in the movie I was rock hard she was dripping wet because it was so well done and it's gotten a lot of people asking the questions should we could we would we talk a little bit about the different levels or ranges of the kink BDSM experience some people are going to think i don't want to get swatted i don't want to get hurt i don't want to bleed is there is there that pleasure sensual part where you know it doesn't have to hurt yeah mm-hmm. yeah we uh we we like the sensuality portion of uh, kink more than anything i mean i'm going to tell you most of the people in the mainstream do like anything with there's there's going to be uh, a spectrum of people that enjoy different things. There are some people that love blood play and, and edge play, which is going to involve knives and fire and you know some pretty heavy duty stuff. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the realm that we live in. No. Um, there are some people that don't ever stri- don't do any impact play or do anything outside of so spanking with their hands. Spanking. It's mean right? spanking. Yes. yes. There's okay. some people that don't do that at all. We enjoy forced orgasms, things like that, which is where I, uh, I put her in a harness and I, I apply a, a wand to her or high massager to her, her uh, clit, and then I let it run. Mm-hmm. And then she has orgasm after orgasm after mm-hmm. orgasm, and that's fun until about the third one. Uh-huh. And then when she tells, she tells you stop, if she's had enough? She does have a safe word, okay. but we also sometimes go into those scenes where she tells me we negotiate the number. Oh, okay. So that eliminates the safe word necessarily. Mm-hmm. She can still use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But uh, and our safe word is really simple now. It's stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's for good. a long time ago, that's it good. was it was a bunch of different words. Yeah, we never remember those. No, we never remember words. those. But last time we were here, like we've never done anything kinky in our relationship mm-hmm. until we met you guys. And we found <laughs> out. No, no, no. Then we found out we did because I like being blindfolded. And yes, that, and that's that's okay. That's a kink. Yeah. Yes. You know, I like when like Carol holds up? down my arms yeah. or, or ties me down with yeah. some tape, and you know. That's not extreme, but it's part of what you're talking about. But last time we were here, we attended one of your workshops, and we're going to talk about the need to have um, education. proper education yeah. before you start doing stuff like this. And then you guys did the ridiculously stupid thing where you gave Carol you know, some, to- some toys, okay? And she thought she, she thought she got the proper instructions. And we go back to the room, and she blindfolds me, and I don't know how she did it, but she takes out the flogger and gets me in the eye. And I'm saying, babe, why are you flogging me in the face? <laughs> Oops, sorry, honey. Then, then she takes out the pinwheel, and she's rolling it all over me. And I'm saying, babe, that hurts. And she goes, no, he, she says, I don't like that. I go, well, I'm liking this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we're good communicators, but it wasn't working very well. when it we didn't were hurt you, honey. But let's fine. talk about the need before you start or try anything kinky, get the right education and where they can find it. Yeah, education is paramount because the body and the brain does a lot of work that people don't realize, like the blindfold that you're talking about. Uh, if you were to take an edge of a knife or a credit card while a person is blindfolded and run across their back, do you realize the brain is going to feel the same thing? Right. It's going to feel the similar thing. Right. There's no need for the knife. Right. You understand? Take the credit card out yeah. and let's have some fun with that yeah. because the, what, what's happening right now, the brain is identifying a little fear and arousal and all kinds of things are popping off and you don't need to risk your life right. to get that kind of edge that you're looking for. But really is the don't. SM, the sadomasochism, mm-hmm. is that is that the hurtful part of BDSM, right? That's where the pain comes in. Can you explain the SM and then we'll talk about what education you need for that part? Right. So, well, definitely. Sadomasochism is you you get pleasure out of pain and, you mm-hmm. know, or you get pleasure out of giving pain. Mm-hmm. And that's the slapping that's included mm-hmm. in it the... Yes, okay. it can be, depending on the type of impact play. Yeah, so what other keep- things can you do? Oh, a lot of the edge play that we were talking about, the cutting, the, oh, the rope tying, those types okay. of things can right. be, uh, depending on the way they're done. I mean, suspension. we do have a limitation suspension. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we put some limitations on our relationship because I'm concerned about nerve endings and mm. things like that. So mm. since we are a practicing therapist, I, I want her to be able to go to work in the morning. Of course, <laughs> so yes. we do have limits that are there and <laughs> regions in which I spank. And you have to be careful on where you're spanking as a top. You can't just grab a paddle and start hitting the spine and things like that. There are different areas. There's education, like you said, that needs to be. And just uh, understanding power sh- exchange at a basic level and, and the amount of trust and care that mm-hmm. is required on both ends, the top and the bottom, in order for it to be healthy. And we learned from you guys last time that spanking or slapping isn't about winding up and just letting it rip. It's about starting slowly, bringing the blood to the surface so you get that sensation that the mm-hmm. other person's looking for. I mean, both people get a, a, a high on this because mm-hmm. one person gets it from doing it, but the other person, I'm not into it, mm-hmm. even though uh, Goddess Phoenix did me on the Bliss Cruise yeah. with a drill and a flogger. She didn't even mm-hmm. have to use her wrist. She just turned on the drill and went But um, th- there's a proper way to do it. Mm-hmm. There is. People want to go to that altered state of consciousness a lot. Uh, submissives will want to, and the top will feel the pressure to get them there. And when I'm talking about that, that's got something called a transient hypofrontality. It's something that happens with the brain that gives you that floating feeling, an endorphin rush, serotonin rush. Now, what it does is it also blunts pain. So if what you're doing is you're spanking your, top, your bottom, you're submissive, 
and they're starting to feel a little pain but after about 12 or 15 minutes that pain's going to feel differently because they're in a different headspace mm -hmm. problem is if you continue you could damage this individual without the right education mm -hmm. of not just bdsm but the right education of this person as a body right. this person's body so you have to be and in careful. that space the bottom doesn't notice anything around them yeah they can fly. And mm -hmm. I've watched I've watched Arian do that. And at times I'll have to say, we're stopping now. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to stop. But we need to. Mm -hmm. We need to. Because mm -hmm. and it, it, you think to be careful with the top. The top also has a similar feeling it can go through. And it's an embracing of the power of d doing this. And you can feel that floating too. So you have to make sure that both of you don't get carried away. So now this just brought up the question. Is what is the psychology that's happening during these scenes? Because that's... I don't, I don't understand, and I would love for you to explain the need or the why. What do you get out of it? What, what pops in your brain? What's the Well, both the of them, right? For both yeah. of them, yes. Yeah. I mean, well, that definitely that headspace. Okay. That it's, af after a really good scene, uh, there's a release oftentimes. I mean, there have been times where I've cried. Mm -hmm. uh, and for, for someone that has a history of, connecting that part of them it feels really good to be able to do that afterwards you were disconnected arian had a uh, rough childhood foster care and a whole nine and some abuse as a child and went through a lot of therapy became a therapist and became a, a u.s you were known all over the u.s for teaching about sexual trauma but something would happen when we would have scenes is that she would still have problems connecting tears to to past pain mm. she just had it because she had been going through alexamia mm. Something about the spanking would allow her to release, oh. and it would almost take her back to a childlike state for mm. a, for for a little while. So yes. that's the psychology behind why you get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, got it. You're living in that fight or flight response, right. and the brain again is like the credit card, and the knife. The brain doesn't like you were saying, Arian. Uh, it can't tell a lot of difference between fear and arousal. It's just firing off chemicals. Ah. And when there's trust involved, that fear turns into arousal in a lot of ways. And then really we've does. heard a lot about, once the scene is done, how important aftercare is. Yes. Oh, it's tremendously important. Uh, because one thing when you're dealing with the altered state of consciousness, uh, you're dealing with that transient hypofrontality. What, what's happening is you, that person doesn't know what they're feeling maybe at the time. Meaning... There may have been some bruising that happened that you need to check on. There may be some aftercare that you need to do. Even if it's a light spank, I like to check in with Arian. And if she's crying, of course, you want to take care of your partner. What are we dealing with right here? Now, we're not into re-experiencing, but I'm not saying that any type of trauma that you deal with is ever gone. The thing about trauma is it's neither long-term memory nor short-term memory. It's memory that's always readily available. So when you're doing any experience with your partner, you may tap into some things, especially when they're vulnerable, mm -hmm. that they didn't expect. So that's where aftercare comes into play. And it's important for both of us. Now, is the aftercare just cuddling? Is it talking? Is it uh, reviewing? Like, what is it's aftercare? It's different for everyone. Yeah. Well, for you guys then, just give yeah. an example so that our audience for can us, understand. For us, I would say it's a lot of touch. It's a lot of eye contact. It's like bringing us back in the present moment and checking in with each other to make sure that we're both okay. And how long does that take? Well, first of all, how long does a scene usually last? Just out of an average? Sing can take anywhere between five minutes and two hours, three hours. They last. It depends on what the kids are doing. So then the, uh, <laughs> then the aftercare would be appropriate to as long as, like give a two-hour session, how long would the aftercare be, for example? It could be, it, we, we're, we're good about taking the time allowed, too. Five to 20 minutes. It could be all night. Mm. Uh, we've met couples where their aftercare is, they go right back to work. They're, we've met some, top, some bottoms where she says, I need to, or he says, I need to get right back to work to what I was doing before because that's the way that I decompress. Okay. Okay. And we, if so everyone has a, but it's important to develop a schedule with each other on what works with your partner because it's going to be different for everyone. 
and to make sure that you don't forget to do that part. Exactly. Yes. So even when I like walloped him in the eye by mistake, yeah. and I, did, I cried. I did love you a lot after there was that, tears. honey. <laughs> <laughs> I snubbed you and I said sorry. There was tears. <laughs> I don't like pain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, same, it's similar to what you were saying about exhibitionism. It's, it's a similar thing that's going on. Right. Uh, I mean, your brain is really being lifted to a point where it's typically not, and it's firing off chemicals. That's really what, what people get when it comes to kink, is they're finding ways to trigger their brain to have feelings that maybe they don't have every single day. Wow. And that's what kink is all about. And that's that thrill. That's all that that's same that thrill. thrill that we've yes. been talking about all mm-hmm. along. So I, I think we kind of covered off the who, what, when, where, whys. Yeah, now we're going to get into <laughs> that amazing event that you guys are putting together for next October, mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah, it uh, starts September 26th and ends October 3rd. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Week of Kink. Week of Kink. Yes, here. Go figure, it's called <laughs> the Week of Kink. It's not called a Week of BDSM, guys. It's called Week of Kink. Right here yes. oh at God. Hedonism 2 in Jamaica on the Grill Beach. It's a full takeover. Yeah, and we've got we've got things like the, we're gonna have like a Mad Max thing. We're gonna have Comic Con. We're gonna have yeah. all kinds of things. A steampunk. It's gonna really be for the people that are in in some of the mainstream kinks that we were discussing. That want to get somewhere and get some good information and see some good education and be se- dressed sexy and be around other sexy okay, people. Right, and be with other people who enjoy the same things that they yes, enjoy. Indeed. A yes. lot of the people that are at this event right now, at Young Swingers Week, will be at the same event when yeah. it comes to when we're doing Week of Well, kink. we did a kink night last night, and yes. it was everybody was dressed. It's kinky. always the most popular yes, night here. Absolutely, it's always and the most popular. And night. that always includes. I liked what some of the girls weren't wearing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And mostly it's black it's leather it's lace it's uh, laces there's yes. t- things that get tied up it's little bits of this and little bits of that harnesses guys were wearing oh, harnesses, harnesses and chaps and we're gonna have a 50 shades boots. night where people are dressed like christian gary we're gonna we're gonna have all kinds of things that i mean there, there'll, there'll be a contest but there'll be role playing nights i mean where okay. we do arm candy and things like that you, you display hey sh- come show off your spouse right male or female and say hey look dress them up we're gonna have them on a on a runway mm-hmm. where they're walking and that's your arm candy it's nice. arm candy night so it's now, gonna be a lot of fun now it's very it's very fun talking about the parties and the events but you guys take education very seriously mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you guys um, at home have your own practice. Mm-hmm. You help people, like we were talking about earlier, get through those hard parts of life. Mm-hmm. You guys are here. I don't know when you have time to sleep. You've done a whole bunch of seminars. You have some today, tomorrow. You're, you're back-to-back. You do one-on-one coaching. When Week of Kink is here, mm-hmm. what type of workshops and seminars are you going to be doing to educate people, those who are not, they're just vanilla newbies, and those who are, like as swingers, we're always going to workshops to find out how we Because we're can curious about everything. Right, we love learning. Yeah. So yes. what type of workshops are you guys gonna put on? We're doing some education workshops on alternative, li- alternative lifestyles, communication, defining your sex, lap dancing, we're gonna do that again here like we did here today. Uh, what we're trying to do is show people that, like exhibitionism, we're going to have an exhibition. We're going to have an exhibition workshop on how to do exhibition and voyeurism. If that's something that's interesting to you, why don't we come out and get dressed? Because that's something that's popular here at Hedo. Absolutely, it's very popular here. It's not just about the dressing up, but it's about communicating to your partner. Hey, this is something I've been into. We might have the opportunity to do it here this week. Do you want to try it? We can demo for you because we can. <laughs> the, the biggest 
kink in our relationship is being exhibitionist. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When we go to clubs, we get in the big bed in the middle of the room or the wall that has the one-sided mirror, and we want people to watch us. That's we a, do love that. That, that, makes a, that makes for an incredible event for us because we find people on every level that like different things, or maybe they're voyeurs, and they just want to watch the they want to watch the shows. We have a Kama Sutra show coming out. Uh, we have a rope tying show. We, we, these are things you don't have to participate in, but when you get professionals educating and showing you how to do it, it may add something to your life that you didn't know you were interested in before. Yeah, a lot of oftentimes you didn't even you don't know what you don't know, and then you see exactly. it and you say, "Hey, I would like to wow. try that." Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we offer a catalog of kinks. So the people can come out and say, I like this one, I like this one. No, I don't like that one. And I like this one, I like this one. Let's go home. And we even have a run book, which will give a, a breakdown of what each kink looks like. Wow. That you'll get to take home with you. Wow. And you can kind of follow up with us, which we mm-hmm. do individual therapy with couples as they define their kinks. Yes. And we do individual therapy here, too, as well, during the, during the, uh, after the seminars. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you also have a special couple that are going to be here. Uh, Marcus and D, yes. and tell everybody what they're going to be here and their specialty. You know Everything. Everything. Uh, so Marcus and D, they are with uh, Leather Masters House, House of Marcus, and um, Leather Masters is actually where we got my first collar years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but their classes, I mean, they, they, they focus on the BDSM classes because they're they're master and uh, submissive. And it's mostly with the floggers that he does handmade floggers, yeah, paddles and that kind of thing. Impact play yes. floggers, the electric flogger. Oh, the electric one. Mm-hmm. Yes, he demonstrated that last time in March. Yes, I saw that. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah pretty amazing. She enjoys the electric flogger probably more than she wants to admit, but she'll have it here <laughs> a little while. But yeah, they're they they have a mat. They're probably the number two leather producer. I think they're the number two leather producer in the U.S. Uh, uh, for uh, for LG, for the LGBT yeah. community and kink community as a whole. Okay. So cool. they have some pretty incredible stuff. And they can hand make stuff for the event for people if they, they're coming in. Wow. So they do handmade costumes mm-hmm. for people that are looking for something special. The quality too. of the gear is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, we just want to let everybody know that it's not kinksters. You don't have to be a kinkster already to come to kink Not week. at all. You could just come and enjoy and participate if you want or mm-hmm. just look if you want. And learn. And come learn. and learn. If it's something that you and your partner want to explore, curious about. this is the yeah. event to be at to find out. This Especially is. on vacation. Seven, seven days uh-huh. to find out about the whole world of kinksters. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And it gives you an opportunity to, it gives you, like you said, it gives you an opportunity to just sit back and say, I don't know if I want to do this, but I sure as hell like watching other people do it. Right. And we're going to set up enough, okay enough educators to mm-hmm. do that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Educators from all around the world. So mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Wow. All right. Well. So before we sign off, uh, you guys get to tell the world, those people who are now interested in becoming kinksters, doing something, mm-hmm. exploring what is one thing, two things they need to do first and foremost before they dive in so they don't do it wrong? Learn. Learn. That's a great <laughs> one. <Yes>. Learn. <laughs> Learn how to do this before you hurt somebody. Yeah. Yes. Education first and communicate. <laughs> Because we notice that couples, like Erin was saying before, we notice that couples sometimes can't be, can't be honest with each other after a period of time or they feel like they can't be. That's one of the reasons when we have couples therapy online, we see the couple first and then we see each one of them individually for two sessions apiece. And then we see them again and we compare notes. Oh, okay. And we don't do it like to get in somebody in trouble. But what we do is to show them that, hey, look, you do communicate differently when you're alone. Mm-hmm. You right. know, you're, you care about your partner so much you don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. And that's right. really what we're trying to. We're trying to create an event where people can be honest and say, hey, like, I like this and let's, let's go from now, there. Of course, on your website with all these 1,100 videos, they, mm-hmm. you have a whole section on the BDSM yes, world. Yes, 
and that people can learn from your website. Just go to sexbecause.com and you will see it all. So if I get it right, communicate with your partner. So Mm -hmm. you you can't go into it by yourself and tell your wife, I'm going to get a flogger and flog you if you Mm -hmm. haven't told her what you're going to do. Number two, learn about it. Go to sexbecause.com. And if you really want to experience it, come to the week of kink here at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica and have a great experience. That's next yes, year, indeed. September 26th to October 3. We will be here Yay. and looking forward to it. I think we're going right? to be here too. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for being here. We always love having you on The Sexy Lifestyle. We look forward to doing lots more things with you in the future. Mm-hmm. For sure. Before Kink Week of Kink. Yeah, How about that? that's But Jamaica is never away. a bad place to meet you two. It is not. <laughs> Absolutely. It is not. Take We're a second to tell everybody how they can reach out to you. They can reach us at sexbecause.com. You can uh, also find us on YouTube, Instagram, at Sex Because Everywhere. If you okay. find it on YouTube, we're Sex Because Everywhere. Charlie and Ariane. Beautiful. Yeah, so. And uh, those of you who want more information about this event or anything else, you can also go to youngswingersweek.com. Mm-hmm. We were here in March with Charlie and Ariane, a full takeover of the resort. It was the party of the century, and we are going to be doing it again in March, and we are also going to be here in October. So once again, uh, reach out to Brett at youngswingersweek.com. We are Carol and David. This is the Sexy Lifestyle broadcasting live from Hedonism 2 in Jamaica with Young Swingers Week. And just remind everybody that our show is sponsored by the Throws of Passion Waterproof Sex Blanket. It absolutely you can get it is. it on Amazon in two sizes, jumbo and midsize. We are learning more and more every week with all our fantastic sexpert guests, and we hope you do too. Visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, to find credible information about sex and sexuality. And remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. Use promo code 30314 for your first month free. Check it out. And remember, join us at Hito 2, the clothing optional resort in Jamaica for the amazing Miss Nude Showgirls and Pole Dance Stars August 18th to 25th, where you can root for your favorite girl and bring your own sexy exotic costumes to join the party. For more information about this or anything else, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Well, that's it for our show today. Thanks to our special guests and especially to you for listening. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on The Sexy Lifestyle Network. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.